Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we break down the All-22 tape from the game in Germany. Let's get through it together. It was a tough one. As Coach McDaniel said, it was painful. It hurt, but it was, I suppose, somewhat therapeutic. We'll go through that, give you the reasons why it didn't work, why things did work, this defense taking a big step in the right direction, the key stats, the snap counts, and more. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is... The Drive Time Podcast. Yeah, it sucked, man. That sucked to watch. If you want to feel better, though, go watch Coach McDaniel's Monday press conference as well as Teron Armstead and a few of the other guys. Like, there's just a sense of, like, that ain't going to happen again. And I know that's going to fall deaf on a lot of ears because you don't want to hear that. And I understand that. I get that. I felt that way at 21 nothing. I feel a lot better after the second half, and even though the game ended the way it did, at least Miami was competitive. And for some reason, I got tortured saying they outplayed the Chiefs. <laughs> Go talk to a wall, man. I mean, I suppose your own performance includes shooting yourself in the foot, which that can be taken into account. But, like, Miami was right there, and they beat themselves. And McDaniel said as much in his press conference on Monday. So, um, yeah, go listen to Coach. I think it's, it's instructive. I think it's therapeutic to do so. But we're also going to start the all 22 review podcast a little bit different today. We usually do big play breakdowns, but I want to go through the final sequence there at the end of the game first, because first down you get them in a five man box after runs of 26 and 29. And you can't know that until you call the play, but I wonder if there's some kind of autonomy to kind of make a check there because you go empty against a five man box and Raheem motions across the formation, but not side saddle alongside Tua. I can't fathom the idea of not, having him just stop right there and check into a run. And again, I don't know the mechanics of that, but like, hey, let's go ahead and settle you down right here, Raheem. Let's get hat on a hat, maybe get a clean five-yard runway. And if you make a play, Raheem, it's another big chunk. And at that point, you wanted to run some clock, right? It's 117 to go at the plus 31-yard line. You hit a 15-yard run. Now, all of a sudden, you've got two timeouts under a minute to play. Probably let the clock run with 15 yards to go. And, and McDaniel addressed this in his press conference on Monday saying that like, you know, whatever the call is, if it works, it's genius. If not, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's the other way around. So I get the whole, you know, results-based process there, but I just think in that situation, there was a chance to maybe, you know, get some more yards and put yourself with four down territory. You could have given yourself maybe three cracks at throwing the football with only, you know, needing five yards, which changes the equation. Then on second down, press coverage on Waddle, and they freaking hold him. They hold him, they interfere him, they mug him, knock him down. I don't know why it wasn't called. Look, it didn't cost you the game. I don't. I never want to say that about officiating. Every single game across the NFL, when you watch a non-Dolphins game, I bet you don't talk about the officiating unless it's like egregiously bad, like maybe that Jets and Chiefs game was earlier in the season. But it is what it is. He was held. He was mugged. He was thrown down. You still should have found a way to execute. Third down is probably my least favorite play from Tua of the year. And it's not because of this wildly inaccurate take that he has some inadequate arm. Like all the, and I wrote down here mouth breathers on Twitter, which is probably a little harsh, but I, I mean, if you have that take, then I, I don't know what to tell you, bud. Uh, he's made that same throw for touchdowns like four times this season. So stop with that. I can't be certain what happened. Here's what I think happened. We heard from him, Tua, and Mc, or from him, Cedric, and McDaniel miscommunication, but I think that Tua predetermined he was throwing that ball in the comeback, and in his mind, 
as he was throwing the ball, he sees Cedric running the go, and he processes that mid-throw and changes his mind, and the ball comes off wonky. That's kind of the way I saw it. It's the only real possible explanation that would track to me on that because, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can check that mid-play and just throw the takeoff because the cornerback is squatting at the sticks, and Cedric hits that little kind of hesitation step at him. There's no help squatting at the sticks. That's a 100% of the time vertical throw for me, but what do I know? Then the snap off frame, it's a bad snap, but you still probably should have caught that. I think his eyes went up towards the pressure probably, which is good, but, you know, ball off your frame, coming in hot, tough to catch those. Uh, Same result as, you know, if you pick, don't fall on the ball. It's the same result if you pick it up and they, you know, they fumble it around and take it back for six. Like, just a total breakdown there in crunch time, and it sucks. And that's the hard part of the tape to me, and I thought there was a lot more hard parts of the tape. Let's go ahead and talk about the positive big plays, though, the Cedric Wilson touchdown. You know, teams have really been letting a lot of these guys run these verticals one-on-one down the field, even Jalen Waddle sometimes, but we don't always try them. I think there's a little bit too much of a vertical focus on Tyreek, and maybe opening up some of the other guys in the vertical game could change the way defenses view you. But here I thought Tua threw a really good ball as Cedric runs this post-corner route. He's running down the stem with a cornerback who has outside leverage, so he fakes the move inside, and that holds a single high safety in the middle of the field on the far hash. And right when he breaks it back to the corner, Tua sees it and uncorks it. And because of that good route, it's well-timed. Cedric is in position to make a play on the football while the corner is trying to recover and get back into shape. And he doesn't have a chance to go up and get the ball. So what's really nice here is that Tyreek is also all alone for a touchdown or what's going to be at least a big play on a slant. In fact, he might have scored two. I I think he probably would have. But Tua works him. You see him work to the one side of the field and then come back. And I'm almost certain that he sees that safety getting width away from Cedric. So he knows I have a poster poster opportunity with a 5'10 corner against my 6'3 receiver here. I'm going to go ahead and throw it up inside from the leverage. He makes a great play on the ball. Good throw there as well. Pass pro is great because everyone fires off the football on that play pass. And you see the Chiefs pass rush pop up out of their stances. That's a bad place to be. And then just a special shout out here from Durham Smythe for locking down the left edge on split flow. He had a tough assignment and he got it done. And that's been Durham Smythe's game all year. I've been a big fan of his tape this year uh, for this Dolphins offense. Raheem's touchdown. Pretty basic. Teron Armstead, exceptional double team with Smythe to widen the gap. Raheem reads that and has a great slash step inside. First cut and just springboards off that left foot when he plants it in the ground and picks up steam from there for some linear yardage accumulation. Alec Ingold picks up two heads with a key lead block, and then it's all speed from there from Raheem Mostert for a touchdown. And then the force fumble from Chubb, recovery from Sealer. Not a lot to it. The coverage caps what is essentially four verts. From the Chiefs, Mahomes finally gets a little hookup that comes clear like 10 yards downfield on third and 20, but by that time, the rush had already won. So Sealer gets a great pick stunt with Bradley Chubb. Tooney wheels out and looks like he's going to make the block of the year, but Chubb throws him to the ground and gets the sack, gets a hand on the football, and then Phillips runs through two Chiefs defenders and joins in on the hit, and then great awareness by Zach to find the football. Those are your big plays. How about your top five tapes? Number one for me in this game was Jalen Phillips. He just wins reps with such consistency. I know you don't see it, you know, jump off the tape every play because sometimes when a defender wins, it doesn't amount to anything, but he's controlling the edge in the running game and rushing with a real purpose, not just trying to win a matchup, but with real 
purpose and conviction for how to impact this gap or how to widen this guy's stance. He does it in so many ways, up and under, rip under that upfield shoulder, then corner, flat line to the quarterback for a throwaway. The next drive, he bluffs upfield and then crossover steps back inside to wreck the inside post of the right tackle. Then the right guard comes in to help and he runs him over, just flattens him like a like the uh, steamroller in the Malcolm in the Middle episode when Hal runs the steamroller and runs over all the kids' toys. Uh, that creates a free run for Zach Sealer on the TE stunt for a pressure throwaway. He's jumping inside to cut down B-gap runs, setting the edge wide, peeling off outside to make those plays. Also had a really good reroute for an incompletion on Kelsey. Great tape for Jalen Phillips. He gets the number one tape of the week with four pressures and two stops and another sack, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, which, by the way, starting to sour on those guys even more than I already was because they gave the Dolphins defense the second lowest grade of the year for them, and their grade was one point higher than Buffalo's. So, yeah, PFF grades, man, I don't know. Uh, Jalen Ramsey gets the number two tape here. I think he's going to be a mainstay here in this top five because of the way he impacts the rest of the defense. I thought they got even more coverage looks post-snap rotations than we saw in the Patriots game. And you know how the Patriots used to always, speaking of those guys, double your top guy and then put like Revis or Gilmore all alone on your number two? He did some of that this week. And the way the zone part of the coverage is working together in tandem, like... I don't know how many times you're going to get open guys against this defense. Like that first drive was pretty much it as far as these last two games go. You know, there's a few reps where I wrote in my notes that he just erased the red off the screen where like he pressed and they got behind him on the screen and you just see him covering air because of the jersey right behind him. Like this guy's good, man. 38 coverage snaps. He allowed 13 yards on two for three completions and attempts. My number three tape goes to Bradley Chubb. Fantastic work every single week in the running game. I thought he did a tremendous job when peeling back into coverage as well. That forced fumble pass rush was elite stuff. Just chucked Joe Tooney aside, uh, one of the best guards in the game. You know, I talked about him and Phillips seemingly every day denting the edge in the running game back in training camp. And my gosh, that's showing up in some kind of way. PFF said two pressures, one stop, and of course the forced fumble on a sack. Six coverage snaps and just the Rasheed Rice catch for five yards in coverage. My number four tape goes to Teron Armstead. Great to see him back. Just copy and paste performance. I think he maybe could have stayed on some blocks a little bit longer in the running game, but I think his ability to wipe out someone one-on-one in pass protection, like I think it was the second series of the game, you know, welcome back to the league, big fella. We're going to go ahead and slide, protect away from you. Go ahead and handle, you know, a George Carr Loftus. He did that very seamlessly there. He has some really good seals and climbs in the running game. Big block on the Raheem Mostert touchdown run. Welcome back. We need you, big fella. One pressure allowed via pro football focus. And then my fifth tape goes to Xavier Howard. Just excellent vision and feel all game long. He would play from depth and crash on the short screen game or the short passing game. He'd squat on routes and see... Our ability to give more help over the top of him because of Ramsey's presence allows him to be better with his physicality, which is, of course, his best trait besides maybe the ball hawking. But even with that, I thought he got into phase and ran stride for stride down the field with the receivers and tight ends. The groin looks better. I'm excited they rested him and let him get back to full health. Great tape here from X. I thought one of his best games in a long time as a member of the Miami Dolphins. 39 coverage snaps, 8 yards allowed on just 2 for 4 passing. My close but no cigars were Waddle, Wilkins, and Long. Let's go ahead and roll on here in the first segment with some offensive notes here as we kind of pivot towards you know the two sides of the football. Just in general, the Chiefs' plan, I thought they had a really good plan and executed it really well. They knew how to deal with some of the stuff that has really worked for us all year. You know, they would rotate off of the exit sprint motion and convert from, and this is, you know, middle field open, middle field closed, essentially re- re- 
refers to single high or two high. If it's split safeties, it's open. If it's single high, it's closed, right? And then from there, they would attack the short game. So they would come from depth and kind of anticipate to offset the way our motion anticipates static movement or lack of movement, I suppose, from the defense. That's how they got their TFL on our first screen and then essentially won the game on the Tyreek fumble the same exact way. It's tough to get the screen game going when you play it defensively with that type of anticipation. The good thing for Miami, though, is now it's on tape and they have a chance to self-scout and play off those looks because I'm sure they'll get them again. I thought this was also the best an opponent has done at disrupting our receivers at the line of scrimmage. A couple of times there, you know, anticipating the snap and getting into their jam before our guys can even make the release move. We saw the Chargers do some of that last year effectively in the game in December, and that came after the bye. I'm excited to see what coach and the staff has for an answer to all the things the teams have had success with against them, you know, in the losses we've had. They also beat our crack toss look a lot, and that's why a lot of those tosses just didn't work. You know, they were ready with their big, they, they got big, strong edges on this team. A receiver like Braxton Barry was trying to block a George Karloftis. He was more head on a swivel, and that's probably how teams are going to have to play it going forward. So this is something the Dolphins are going to have to adjust to here, but they just didn't give our backs any runway going wide. They would have to stop their feet, and when you do that, the pursuit catches up in this league, and you're going to get nothing if your feet go dead. That happened a lot. And look, I'm through the first half on my notes here. Of, I, I note this like kind of chronologically as I go through it. I'm through the first half, and the first half execution is on the receivers, man. We were disjointed. We didn't get open or even finish the concepts half the time. And then on half of the times we did, we dropped it. We had an illegal shift. That and the lack of ability to get the edges in the running game, you're not going to score doing that, and you get blanked for the first time in 40 games as a result. Then that gets cleaned up, and we start scoring. But then, man... The Savan Ahmed toss, you know, I'm not sure if Tua can check that or what, but we ran into a numbers disadvantage, four to five to that side of the formation. They shoot it, they blow it up, and a six-yard loss on first down is tough to overcome. You know, it's one thing to have a five-yard penalty where you can get it back on the first down, but to lose that yardage, it's tough to overcome. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side. We'll talk about Tua and the rest of the offense next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back here on a Tuesday, all 22 review edition of the Drive Time Podcast. We pick it up here, talking to was game. And I didn't put him in the top five, but if it wasn't for the last two plays, he would have been there because Tua played good again, man, until, until late, until late. And there were some misses and some throws that I thought he could have had back, but that's every quarterback in every damn game. Let's go ahead and go through this thing here. He had two big-time throws in those first two drives, the opening play between a trio of Chiefs defenders to Waddle, then again the next drive between four Chiefs defenders to Tyreek, and the Dolphins were in this max-protect two-man route combo, so Tua... He has to anticipate and hit these throws with the level of courage that he does. Otherwise, this offense doesn't work. Do you guys understand that? But both those throws are right on the money. But there were more misses than usual sprinkled throughout this tape, and that's why he doesn't make the top five. And some of them are for sure on Tua. Some of them, you know, have to have, you know, an ear to the play design to know this to, to really understand. But, like, there's a little rail-slide combination. Slide is the motion man that carries the flat. The rail is the guy that goes up the sideline or the seam sometimes, just basically vertical off the line. And we throw to that guy a lot, right? 
Tyreek goes in motion. Tua pumps to him on that slide, you know, a little route to the flat. Then Cedric is timing up a rail between the linebacker and safety, and they're just on different pages. And he talked about this in his press conference because I asked him, like, is that something where, you know, Waddle being down, you playing his role, maybe you're not quite on the same page? And he said, like, no, we, we rep this stuff, you know, time and time again to get on the same page. But I think that Cedric wanted to either settle into a spot and that part of the coverage, and I think Tua wanted him to cross face because he throws it right at the safety, which we've seen him do that millions of times. Throw it at the defender, the receiver will cut that off for you and make a play. But he gets a hand on it, and it winds up going for a miss, takes a big shot as a result. And again, Waddle played just 54% of the snaps. I think that impacted the game a lot because even on those 54%, he wasn't moving like he usually does. And all of a sudden, you know, if there's an area in this team that you look at, like receiver depth is not, you know, Tyreek and Waddle, you don't have anybody else like those guys. So I think getting Craycraft back will be a big boost to the team because he's not those guys, but just in terms of intelligence and being where he's supposed to be, he's a, he's a big-time player for this offense, I think. But then to his very next throw is this gorgeous back shoulder ball to Waddle on a similar route. He's the two to the boundary, which is the you know slot receiver to the short side of the field, and the linebacker carries him right to safety help. And so his inside leverage is cut off. His over-the-top leverage is cut off. There's only a small box on the back shoulder. And Tua throws this line drive to him. And Waddle makes a great catch off the frame and a great adjustment for that grab on third and nine. But we get hit for an illegal shift. Even though everybody was set, it might not have been a full second. But Tyreek was like kind of nonchalant not getting set. So... You know, Tyreek had some plays this game he probably wants back. Tua's next throw was a dot, and another example of what makes him great, man. Two-man route combo, Reek pressing the safety. You know, that means basically running full speed to hold them with Waddle running a deep over behind that. And Tua's reading that safety that, that Tyreek is trying to, you know, conflict with his speed off the line. And Tua sees that safety take one step forward, and immediately the hands separate. Just quick decision-making but even still, it's a tight window throw, and he feathers that thing 30 yards down the field. And Tyreek's the only guy in the league that probably gets that football, but he didn't hang on. Like, it hit his hands. Catch the ball. So we're on our third possession, and I have four big-time throws for your quarterback. Like, think about if you hit those, how the game changes, how the flow of the game changes, how the narrative changes. These small details, man, these small, fine details that sometimes aren't even a player's fault wind up creating these big narratives where Kyle Brandt goes on Good Morning Football in a Kelly Green Eagles jersey and tells you about how the Dolphins are frauds for the 14th straight week. Like, it sucks, but that's what it is. That's why no one in this building, you know, cares about that stuff because we just, it just doesn't matter. Like, my goodness, that's a different topic, though. Uh, remember that deep corner to Waddle where it looked like he lost it in the roof of the lights? This is the biggest miss I thought Tua had on the entire day. Julian Hill comes across the flow on a little old school Randy McMichael tight end leak, like fake the block, go to the ground, get up and run to the other side of the formation. When Tua hits the top of his drop, Hill is the only player to that side of the field. And with Waddle running the corner full speed out of the play, he would have taken that cornerback 20 yards downfield. Hill would have had at least 20 yards before he even sees his first red jersey. I liked the ball. It gave Waddle a chance, but this play should have been an explosive one way or the other. Julian Hill would have been a guarantee because it was high percentage and he was naked, man. I like the way Tua started reading out the plays and then getting it to checkdowns on the first touchdown drive in that second half. The first two plays go 11 yards to Hefe and then seven to Durham where the receivers just ran the coverage off downfield. Good pass pro. Tua flips it out on the upfield shoulder to maximize run after the catch. Then we get a critical third and short. They send six. Tua finds Durham hot. Move the chains. We're humming right now, getting the offensive flow going. Now, 
I'm not sure if he could have gotten to this because of the drop pressure and timing, but Waddle uncovered deep on that Durham play. They showed it on the broadcast as well, so now you guys know what I'm talking about. And it just brings up a consistent thing I've noticed, that we don't try these verticals to anybody besides Tyreek. Like, we don't even consider them. And I thought we had some chances to hit, you know, that one in this game and other games, but we don't take them. And sure enough, the next day in place, the touchdown is Cedric Wilson. I'm going chronologically here. And, you know, something we can build off here, because I think we talked about this in the big play segment, that, you know, his ability to, you know, posterize a cornerback like that, you can use that. And I thought Tua was playing really well up to this point of the game. And then the first play after the turnover, after a hole, Tua slides and takes a sack when he had Tyreek alone on a broken play right in his line of sight. I don't know why he did that. I, I hate the decision. So we're stacking some, you know, mental errors here of the quarterback position among the good throws we talked about. Before the Raheem touchdown, Reek is open on that classic dig route, and the ball was not out in front on the face mask like it usually is. It does hit Tyreek in the hands, and I'm calling it a drop, but it's just not the usual sharp tool we're used to. And then the penultimate drive, good back-to-back shots to Tyreek on third down to move the sticks, timing, anticipation to the perimeter, then a good rail route to Waddle, who goes up and makes a, a catch you know, in the air with a little no-look action from Tua. And I'm thinking right here, we're going to go tie the game up. We're going to get this you know, game into overtime or go win it with two points here. And I have to nitpick a little bit here because on the third down in plus territory, which is a, a, the same, the very next series on that drive, Tyreek had his best release of the game. He gets inside of a cornerback in the slot and he makes the catch for a first down, but the ball's on the back shoulder and the DB was in full sprint. So who knows what happens, but I love to see that play play out in the simulation where the ball is the usual accuracy of two. Just slightly off on a few of these throws, I thought maybe maybe cost him the sack after the Savon loss, which is a perfectly called coverage within the blitz. They ran tip your captain on that. Then the miscommunication on third down and the failed shotgun snap late, just a brutal way to end it. We covered it already. I think if we finished that drive. This tape has looked back on fondly as a good performance against a tough defense and, you know, beating an MVP of the league instead, two plays and it causes all kinds of consternation, not his best game, not his worst game, but again, two key plays that will be highlighted by the folks that don't bother to comb through the other 56. It is what it is. When he was blitzed, 8 for 11 for 66. When he was pressured, 2 for 7 for 11. That's gone way down this year. Last year under pressure, he was like top-rated quarterback in the NFL. Has We haven't been as good under pressure this year. And then 20-plus air yard throws, uh, 1 for 3 for 31 in the touchdown, and then 10-plus yard throws, 6 for 15, 109, and 1 touchdown. Let's go through the eligibles and the line here real quick before our last break. Uh, Raheem's vision comes and goes to me. And the, the first run of the game, he has a chance to just slam it up inside for a positive run, but he stretches it out for a negative. And maybe that's the way it's coached. I, I can't be certain, but there's times where I think you can read the block of like Alec Ingold and just say, there's nothing out there. He's inside the, the force defender. So let me just go ahead and run it off his butt right here and get inside for, you know, two or three yards opposed to no gain. I wish we had more bang in the bounce, bang, bend equation. You guys know what that means? On outside zone runs, the bounce is to go wide, bend, uh, bang is to hit it up in the gap, and bend it is to go back the other direction. But he did have great conviction and burst on the touchdown run and the two runs in the final drive. He did have another fumble. It's too much in ball security issues. Had one arm around it in traffic. That's a teachable moment for Raheem Mostert. Those two runs at the end, though, were just awesome. Where he's, If he runs like that, man, we are so tough to stop. But it's interesting this offense has number one, number two in drops and Tyreek and Waddle, number one fumble guy, and they're still the top offense in the NFL. Like, man, just get that stuff sorted out, right? Three uh, missed tackles forced, average 4.17 yards after contact. Hefe, 
You know, it's probably not a first down, but that drop on the angle route, like, we just made these mistakes all game long, man. Yeah, I thought him and Ahmed struggled to get going, a little bit slow, it looked like. Chase Claypool had a really rough tape, missed blocks all over the field. His routes were not convincing. I don't know what's there uh, going forward. We'll see. Alec Ingle, I thought he missed a handful of key blocks. A Tyreek end of round could have been an explosive if he held his block. He did have the big block in the touchdown run, though, and some other good work, so kind of mixed bag for Alec. I thought Waddle was the best player on offense outside of Teron Armstead. He made some tough catches, gutted it out when he wasn't feeling right, clearly. Uh, this whole year, really, and this game, but this year in general, reminds me of 2021 more than 2022, where I feel like there's a lot of meat on the bone for Jalen Waddle, and we're not getting it to him. It'll happen eventually. I'm just ready for it to happen, like, now. Uh, two yards per route ran, seven yards per target, not the usual high production we see from him. Tyreek, you know, look, this is the best non-quarterback in football, right? But we can also talk about the plays we didn't make, because the fumble, I have a hard time saying that he should have done better there, because I don't think he even had a control of it. And if he did, it probably forward progress has stopped. I don't know. It's a weird one to call, but he's the one on the play that changed the game, right? If that play doesn't happen, I think Miami wins this game. Pretty, pretty cut and dry. But the ball off his fingertips to drive earlier, sometimes you have to be perfect to get completions in this league. And against a defense and the way they're playing, that's what the day called for. At this stage of the game, Tua has hit three really difficult throws. One is negated by an illegal shift. The other two were chunk gains. This could have been a fourth, but we cannot complete the catch. Instead of first and 10 at the plus 30, it's third and 10 at your minus 40, and we kick it away one play later. He was uh, he was the one tagged on the illegal shift, man. So that and his drop, that's two drives. He's killed out of three. And then the fumble had a big drop in that Philly game. Your best players are not impervious to bad moments, and we've learned that these last two games. Later, he drops that dig pass as well, dig throw. Just want more from my best player in games like this, man. That's all. Uh, 6.1 yards per target, 1.79 yards per route ran. Those are both the lowest for him this year uh, across those metrics. Durham Smythe, I talked about him, just appreciative of the player that he's become in this offense. I didn't necessarily love his tape before in previous offenses and even last year, but I think that this year he's been really good. On the offensive line, they just consistently beat our angles in the running game. It's that simple. We often execute these difficult reach blocks that makes this run game hum, but they consistently played the upfield shoulder Reese hit the line of scrimmage and worked and worked and worked to stay free. And by the time we had a semblance of the corner, we were out of real estate running wide to the perimeter. But I thought the pass pro was really good for the most part. The pressures were more good blitz calls with effective games that either got home or pushed Tua off his spot. But we really negated them in the first half with all the movement and misdirection. They slide protection to T-set a lot of the time, and he handles it like he always does. I continue to be very impressed by Austin Jackson. I think we missed a critical block on the shovel to Savon Ahmed that cost us not just a first down on third and 20, but a 47-yard touchdown if uh, Rob Jones just gets over there and makes that play. I thought Connor Williams looked like we're used to seeing him in terms of you know getting out in space and making key blocks in those big runs. Um, you know, Austin, they ran an end around. There was one play where Austin Jackson, they ran an end around in the third quarter going away from Austin, like off of Tehran's side of the formation. And Austin just takes off up the field and he runs all the way across the field and hits a block in space on the other side of the field. I'm not sure I've seen a tackle run faster than that. I thought he was good enough in pass pro. The holding call that he was flagged for though was mind-numbingly stupid. Like he was chasing a defensive line from the back and he put his, sh- his hands over his shoulders a la Xerxes on King Leonidas in 300. You know, like, we will fight in the shade then. Hands on the shoulders and spins him. Like, I'm not sure what he was doing there. Easiest call the refs made all day. Uh, you know, Lester Cotton, 
I thought there was issues on the interior connectivity in terms of passing off games in the pass rush department, and some of those blitz calls got us. Uh, there were some plays where he fell off blocks in the running game, so it was kind of like up and down for him, but uh, I think he'll be, he's played better than I thought he would when we lost Isaiah Wynn. So I'm encouraged about him playing that left guard spot when Rob Hunt gets back. Four pressures on him, a sack, a hit, and two hurries. And then, uh, yeah, and then Rob Jones, you know, again, if he catches a fiber, a fiber of Drew Tranquil's jersey on that Savon shovel, it's a 47-yard touchdown. Julian Hill wipes out the only defenders with a possible angle on him down the field. It's a walk-in touchdown, man. Damn it. The more I got in this tape, the more that position was an issue. We just weren't as good in the interior because I think, you know, backup guards against a good defensive front. And I want to start doing this on this show, why we lost, why we won category. To me, it's all on the offense and it falls into this category. We lost because we allowed the KCDB to dictate the play in the first half against our receivers. We lost because we made critical errors, drops, penalties in the biggest moments. We lost because we couldn't sustain blocks on the edge and got behind the chains too frequently. And we lost because our quarterback made two bad plays at the end of the game. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there. Come back on the other side, do defensive notes and snap counts. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Defensive notes, Dolphins 14, Chiefs 21. Guys, I think the defense is about to take off and maybe even become better than the offense is. What a good tape this was. And the first thing that jumps out to me is that Ramsey played almost an entirely different role this week than last week. So last week, he tilted the field, right? Lots of 10 on 10, press up. I got this side of the field. I got this guy. Don't worry about it. Flood the other side and make life hell for the quarterback unless he wants to test me one-on-one. Good luck with that. He tried it once and paid dearly. Here, he played a lot more off, a lot more zone combination coverages where he just kind of looks to be in full force in terms of connectivity and communication and passing things off. The way that he steps back and processes the passing game, it's like watching a top quarterback do his thing on the other side of the ball. It's fun to watch. Speaking of that, you're seeing them get to different coverages from different personnel groupings. You know, their base, their, their nickel, their dime, their different front and rush concepts, and eventually just running everything off vertically to an end. And even Mahomes can't get the ball down there to those guys. Watching this defense play yesterday reminds me of the offense when Tua came back for Pittsburgh last year, where a little bit rusty after the, you know, the concussion that made him miss a couple of games there. But after having those first few games in hand against New England, Baltimore, Buffalo, missing three games, then Pittsburgh in a rusty game. He then went scorched earth against Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Houston, right? I think the defense could be in for a similar track here, especially in these next five games against a rookie quarterback, against a backup quarterback that shouldn't even be in the league, in my opinion. A quarterback in Sam Howell, who's a second-year starter, uh, and, a, and a, a rookie in Will Levis, and then back to that backup quarterback who probably shouldn't be in the league. Um, like, it could be a dominant five-game run for them. We had one bust all game long, the Jarek McKinnon touchdown. Three guys went with Travis Kelsey. They left McKinnon alone. They hit some good plays in that first drive, and then that was pretty much it. And, you know, of course, the hit to Rasheed Rice was such a critical play in the game. Outside of that, just an utterly dominant showing by the Dolphin defense. I'm not sure there's a trio of edges I would take over Phillips, Chubb, and Gink. We talked about the first two already in our top five tapes as it goes to Teron Armstead on offense, and then... Chubb and, and uh, Phillips get top tapes with X and Ramsey 
rounding out the other five. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, the way that he beats pullers, whether it's a guard coming across or a split flow tight end, he sets them up like a little hesitation step and then goes arm over or swim and just swipes them out of the way. He gets around them so frequently and that messes up so much in the run game and play action game. His effort too, man. Like there's a play where KC was backed up and both Raekwon and Sealer fan out and kind of widen the center and it opens up the middle for a one-on-one with Baker and Pacheco and Gink like off the edge sees this and peels back and Bake's kind of getting ran over a little bit and Gink goes in there and just puts a big stick on the running back and shuts down any more forward progress for like a three-yard gain. Uh, Christian Wilkins, his ability to hold the point and win from the three technique, but then also kick out to the five technique and give somebody like Orlando Brown Jr. issues as a straight-up pass rusher. What a value to have this guy, man. Plus, his one-gap penetration has been on fire this year. That big TFL was massive. I thought Raekwon Davis had one of his best games as a Dolphin. He consistently shot the hands and the chest plates of the guards and centers and controlled like big chunks of reps in this game. That's not been the case for him in his career. Zach Sealer, such a critical part of what we do from a rush perspective. He had four more pressures. The key force uh, from the recovery just made life hell inside for 60 minutes like he always does. At the second level, off-ball linebackers, David Long is freaking good. I told you so. I told you so, guys. He's a, what a wrecking ball. Like he, I love watching him play. Just a bull in a china shop, full speed, hitting everybody in sight, like a Tasmanian devil, man. I've not seen a Dolphins off-ball linebacker who hammers big guards like and stops them in their tracks and prevents any climbing the way that he does in a long time. Probably like maybe like Kevin Burnett. I don't know. It's maybe maybe further back than that. I don't know. Zach Thomas didn't do that that well. The way that he sidesteps, you know, backs with quickness, I think that because of the threat of the ability to run them over, he can get around them when he blitzes. Mahomes had a scramble out of bounds for minimal yardage were long. He just hits this little hesitation step juke move on the running back and runs right around him. I'm not sure how many guys can do that either, especially when they pair it with the physicality that David Long displays. So the secondary, man, this is what I thought we had coming into the year. Like, my goodness, the way that Javon, X, Deshaun, and Jalen flow together, it's a thing of beauty back there. They carry their verticals into help. They pass off. They transition back down the field to climb down the stem. It's just fun to watch. And then Cater, it allows him to go be a gremlin person inside, blitzing, disrupting, fitting the run, playing trail technique and coverage. This is only going to get better if you ask me. I put down notes here. I mentioned X and his feel for the rhythm and what he's asked to do. I thought he processed exceptionally well from that off position. I thought he clicked and closed to match, tackled well, got in phase. I think a less disciplined quarterback would have given him some pick opportunities. He didn't get grabby. He absorbed the push off. There was a route where Justin Watson tried to run a little stick uh, back down the stem, and he tried to like, expand X by pressing his toes. And X, because you could help him because of what you have from Ramsey on the other side, just squatted and drove, made a great play on the football, didn't get grabby. 2020 version of X looks like he may be here. And then Deshaun Elliott, the way he inserts versus the run, the physicality he plays, he puts his all into every hit. And I just really appreciate that from him. Let's go ahead and finish up here with some snap counts. We'll get out of here. We have some fun bi-week content coming your guys' way. JTL Sullivan will join me for the podcast later in the week. Uh, Channing Crowder as well. We'll also do a review of the offense and defense and kind of do two separate episodes on that. So plenty of content coming your way over the next week here on the Draft Time Podcast. Snap counts. So four linemen with the distance. We know that uh, Rob Jones got hurt, and so Liam Eichenberg played 14 snaps. Tua plays every snap, obviously. Tyreek, a a big expansion this week, 90% of the workload. Waddle took the injury, so he winds up playing just 54%. Actually got out-snapped by Cedric Wilson. I think that's kind of where you point to for some of the issues there as well, even though I thought Ced played well in some positions, but 
there's just no replacing Jalen Waddle in this offense. Uh, Barrios, 27%. Claypool, 22%. You know, Barrios had a really tough time getting off press coverage all game long. That was a tough game for him. And then at tight end, Smythe played 84%. Julian Hill played just seven snaps in the game total. That's a big departure there from what we're used to. Raheem got 56% of the running back workload. And this is where I think, you know, Devon Achan, who should be back next game, this is where you can kind of cut into these reps here. Savon played 19 snaps, and Jeff Wilson played 11 snaps. That's 30 snaps there among those two guys that I imagine have to go to the rookie in the future. On defense, man, five guys played the distance. Holland, Baker, Ramsey, Elliott, and Howard. Christian played all but three snaps in the game. Sealer played all but four snaps. Just monsters. Phillips played all but nine snaps in the game. Chubb played all but 11 snaps. Like, <laughs> they didn't really change much. You had 11 stars out there, and you played them most of the game. Pretty much your sub package came in there, and uh, we saw Kohu played 65%. That's right in line with your nickel percentage. Uh, David Long played 77% of the snaps. Van Ginkle gave you 45%. And then look at these drop-offs. Like, 45% Raekwon, 42% Nick Needham, six snaps. Deshaun Hand, four snaps. Like, they know who they want to play out there. They've got them. We'll see if they can stay healthy. Hopefully they can because this defense looks like it's ready, but a little bit concerning to me there that they don't have the depth to really rely on there in those big spots. Hopefully they can find a way to develop that down the line here at the end of the year. That's time for the podcast, though. You all, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff we talk about here every single conclusion on the show. Go ahead and follow me on social at Wingfield NFL, the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, all that fun stuff. Check out my guys Seth and Juice on the Fish Tank podcast and our post-game radio show on the iHeart app as well as MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Carolina Cameron, Daddy. Who's coming home?